Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Truly is good to be gathered together. Enjoyed the Sunday school hour well, as well. And uh, good lessons to learn from Jesus. This morning I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to learn some more from the Master. As what was somewhat alluded to already was June is going to be wedding month. So my thoughts were somewhat heading this way. It's a parable that Jesus spoke. Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by a parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to, came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servant, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. titled my message this morning, There is a Wedding Being Planned. Also, there's couples here this morning that are planning on a wedding, getting married here in the next few weeks. And I'm most certain that there has been great preparation being made. Weddings don't just happen, but lots of sweat and time and and I don't know if it's sleepless nights, but... There's lots that go into a wedding preparation. Here is a parable of a royal wedding. Here's a king, and his son is going to be honored. One very important element of a wedding is guests. Now, I assume that those that have I know for fact that those that have planned their wedding have sent out invitations inviting guests. And needless to say, in studying for this 
prompted my memory that I asked my wife, I said, did we send our replies to our people that we are coming or not coming? And uh, I couldn't remember. But there's guests that need to be at the wedding. How would it be, Justin and Stephanie and Alan and Krista, if all your guests had said the check mark back, no, I'm not coming. How would that make you feel? How would that make the parents feel? Here, I'm told that the custom of a royal wedding isn't something that just happens one day, but it's something that would could carry on for up to seven days. So maybe there was a little more fanfare, pomp, party, uh, a little more involved. Um, so maybe the, these guests thought they had legitimate reasons for not coming to this wedding. But here is a king, a royal king. If a king would invite you today to his son's wedding, would you say no? If a king personally invited you to a wedding, would you say no? I mean, here's a chance in a lifetime to have a paid trip to witness a royal wedding. Here in this parable, it says they did not come. Plain and simple, they did not come. There was a group of people that were told that there's a wedding date. There's a date set. Set aside. You need to prepare. Plan for that. Come. Make that special. Verse 4. The king did not take no for an answer. We see him again sending forth more servants to invite to guests to his son's wedding. Now, if I was to invite you to one of our weddings and you said no, or my wedding and you said no, would I go the second mile and come back and say, hey, would you reconsider? Here, in verse 4, he's putting a deeper plea. He says, there is meat. There is going to be food. There's oxen. There's fatling. Richard, what kind of meat do you think that is? I have a feeling it's probably the best kind of meat you're going to ever find. Oxen, I, I anticipate, or I would, and I would anticipate that this was probably uh, grass-fed, organic, non-antibiotic, non-hormones, and I'm sure it was well marbled. And I say that with a grain of salt because I actually would violate some of those those terms. But here, this meat was going to be scrumptious. He's saying, go out, tell those guests that I have meat. 
And it's going to be good meat. It's going to be meat that falls apart in your mouth and just melts. Christy and I had the privilege of serving at a wedding. And the groom of that wedding had a real deep passion for hot dogs. And we served hot dogs. And these were plain Jane hot dogs. They weren't beef hot dogs. They were just plain Jane hot dogs. Do you want it simple? It was meat, but it was a hot dog. Um, it was different, but that's for what it's worth. This meat, I'm sure, is better than hot dogs. Are you hungry yet? Hang in there. <clears throat> you know when you have meat, good meat, there is no questions in your mind that it's good meat. So we have this wedding. It's ready. The food is prepared. There's an urgency. You don't just let food sit around. It's time to get going. So this king is being a nice king. He's doing a double back. He's going and giving a second chance. Reconsider it. Won't you come to the banquet? Verse 5 and 6, this second plea to these guests, they make light of it. They joke about it. And they go their way. Back to their farm and their merchandise, to their stores, to their, their occupation. Whatever their jobs were was more important than coming to this wedding. Some even murdered. Spitefully took the servants and slew them. This takes us to verse 7, where the patience of the king finally runs out and justice is dealt with. So I want to make it clear we have a wedding, but at this point, there's still no guests. And the king patience has run out so verse 8 through 10 we see the king taking more servants and saying the wedding is ready go out into the byways the highways invite anybody and everybody that you can get your hands on tell them that there is a wedding come and you are invited to this royal wedding. This meant the good and the bad, the rich and the poor, those that were sitting along the roadside begging. Invite. So now we have guests. Verses 11 through 13. Leads us to the next event that unfolds. Somehow, there is a guest that slips in without a wedding garment. He decides that his street clothes are good enough and he's going to go to the wedding in his street clothes. It would seem that this person would have had the opportunity for the wedding garment. 
but had declined or turned it down. He would have seen that his thought, thought his clothes were good enough. So picture a table spread with luscious food, delicious food. Everyone is dressed in their white wedding garments. And there's this person without a wedding garment. It would stick out. You would stick out like a sore thumb in a crowd of white. It was also a custom in those weddings for the king or those that were in charge of the wedding to provide a garment. So if you didn't, if you didn't have the means to have a wedding garment, you were provided with one to participate or attend in that. king sees him, goes to him, and says, what does he say? Friend, how knowest, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And what was his reply? It says he was speechless. Kind of indicating that he knew, he knew better. He knew that he should have been there with a wedding garment. He was so close yet so far. This individual that came in was a dishonor to the king. There was a standard, there was a set standard, and that standard was violated by not abiding by that wedding standard of the wedding garment. It seems harsh for what happened next with the king binding him up and cast him in, cast him into outer darkness, where he will be tormented forever. And verse fourteen is: For many are called, but few are chosen. So I want to make some things obvious here, that are very plain and simple, and that this parable is talking about the kingdom of heaven, and the king is God the Father, and the Son is Jesus Christ. Now the question is, who are the servants? It would appear that there is different batches of servants. The first batch of servants was instructed to go out and invite those who were already invited. So could that represent the prophets of God in the Old Testament were to go to the children of Israel, the chosen people of God, and to continue to beckon and to invite and to call them back to him? The children of Israel had an advantage. They had a lineage that they had the lineage that Christ would come through into the world. They had the word of God, but yet they continued to reject him. They were told that they would have a Messiah and that someone would come to set them free, but yet they did not get it. Now there were those that did get it. But prior to this uh, chapter, it's talking. Jesus is talking to the chief priests and the Pharisees. They're at the end of chapter 21, and it would seem that if anybody should have got it. It should have been them, but they were 
They were blinded. So they did, they did not accept that invitation. So I want to consider the second batch of servant servants. And one I thought of is John the Baptist. He was a servant of God. He was called. He was a forerunner of Jesus. And he was preparing the way. And he was murdered for his stand for Christ. But there were still those that still constantly refused to accept it. So, it seems that judgment is going to be dealt out to these people. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 through 39, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicken under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So I think we can understand that God has been calling his people hundreds of years prior, and there's been rejection, and rejection, and rejection, and rejection. Until finally, the king's patience runs out and there is destruction of their city. What happened in AD 70? Jerusalem was taken and the temple was destroyed. What they considered to be their security was no longer their security. Luke 19, verse 41 through 44. And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this the, thy day, the thing which belongeth unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eye. For the day shall come unto thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation so that leads us to the next the third invite who are these servants now that are doing the third invite well I thought of the apostles, those that take the message of Christ to the streets, and I think it could even come down to us as we take the message out to those around us. Who are the ones along the highway in the streets? Well, that's you and me. The message came to you and me. The invitation came to you and I. What did we do with it? 
We were not on that first invite list, but we we are invited. This has been God's plan. God, the King of Kings, opened up the invite to us to come to the marriage, to the honoring of His Son. This invitation is open to all. The invitation is not indiscriminately, it's not racial, but it's global. It is for every human being in the world. In Revelation, John gets a glimpse into heaven. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. John saw the beautiful rainbow of different tribes and nations, tongues, before God. And their praise is to Him. Worthy is the Lamb. Paul also describes it in Colossians chapter 3, verses 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. The more, not the more, having more than one invite would not be a custom to a royal wedding. In, in our national settings, if there was a royal wedding and you were invited, it would be a shame for the king to come back the second time to invite you. Well, here, our king is willing to take the shame and to continue to invite us. But at some point, if we continue to put that invite off, that king patience may run out and it will run out. Today is the day of salvation. Second Peter chapter three verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but all that all should come to repentance. This invite is for all, and he's merciful, he's patient, and he's waiting and wanting us to all be there. God is patiently pursuing you and me to his banquet. You want a picture of heaven? What's the best thing that has ever happened to you in this life? Think about it. Something that has happened to you that has just been the best thing in this life. And then I want you to take that and take it way beyond that. 
and then it's going to be beyond that. That's how heaven's going to be. It's going to be grand. It's going to be so worth it all. There will be no threats of war. There will be no terrorist attacks, no more death, no more sickness, fear, sorrow, abuse, addictions, and you could name the list on and on. Imagine eternal joy. What a day when Jesus escorts you into heaven and says to you, Look what I have been preparing for you since I left. Revelation 5.12 Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Do you want a seat at the banquet table? Well, you can. It's simple. You just need to accept the invitation. Why would you not want to accept that invitation? There are certainly distractions that can get in the way of that invitation. And we see that with some of the guests that were invited. Specifically mentions merchandise and farming. my farming get in the way of my invitation? I trust it's not. What about the man who gets to the table without the garment? Is he the one that likes the events, the party? Um, is he in church every Sunday morning? Is he involved in all the activities that surround church. But did he not accept that invitation? The invitation of salvation. He is cast into outer darkness. Same place where the others are cast. He is so close, yet it's not good enough. The wedding garment is provided by the king. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, salvation is compared to like a wedding. And the relationship between God and his people as a marriage. And there is constant discussion as we look into these events about putting on a wedding garment. Something that is, we're, we're clothed with something that is outside of ourselves. These garments are not of our own, but they are graciously given to us by our King. What are these garments? Well, we need to believe on Jesus Christ. He's the sacrifice for my sin and by, by faith we accept that. And this is the process of putting on the garment of righteousness and continuing in that effort to live righteous life. Revelation 7 talks about white robes. Revelation 3 talks about being clothed in righteousness. Romans 13 
verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Talking about putting on Jesus, the garment. The flesh has its desires, but we need to put on Christ. This is the only way into heaven. Plain and simple. The judgment of the king. This story, this parable, is made clear that there's a point where the patience, the kindness, the multiple invitation ends and the judgment is dealt with and it's dealt out. There's a time when God is going to say, now is the time to honor my son. And that is when every knee will bow before Jesus. Colossians 3 Another verse. Colossians 3, 5 and 6. Mortify there your members with which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on, on the children of disobedience. There, we need to put off the old clothes and we need to put on the garment that Christ offers us. The wedding is scheduled and it really seems close to being ready. We don't know what tomorrow holds, we don't even know if we have tomorrow. So today is the day of salvation. God's grace is extended to us. The invitation to us is by faith that we accept that. And we clothe ourselves with righteousness that we may with certainty be there at that banquet. I want to end with two questions. Have you accepted the invitation from the king? Question two. If you have accepted the invitation, what kind of clothes are you putting on and wearing? The wedding, the honoring of Jesus Christ, is going to be worth it all.